going to study the topic, and, and we titled it tonight, Can't We All Just Get Along? I almost put Rodney King's picture up there. I really did. <clears throat> can't, we, can't we all just get along? Uh, in, you know, in the last four weeks, we've been talking about joy in spite of our circumstances. Joy even when things are going wrong. Joy even when things are not going our way. Joy even though there's critics, even there are problems, even though there's issues. And the way we have that kind of joy is, is to put Christ first. We have a mindset. We, we, we said the word mind is used in all four chapters, and we have a certain mindset. What kind of mindset is in chapter 1? It's a focused one or a single mind. He was singular. It, everything he was was focused on the gospel and Jesus Christ. Well, tonight is going to be a little different. If we're going to have joy in spite of people, say amen right there. How many of y'all know sometimes there's some people that's hard to get along with? How many of y'all know they could be? No, no, I was going to say. They could be sitting beside. No, no. <laughs> I love that. I love that saying that's in your notes, you know, to live above with saints or, or, or to live above with saints we love. Won't that be glory to live below with saints we know? That's a whole nother story. Amen. Well, tonight we're going to talk about that, and, and this, is, this is what it's usually going to be. It's not going to be what you think. Just like the first section was in chapter number one, uh, it's not going to be what you think. I, I was looking at this, I was reading, I was studying it, and, uh, and, and, and God's going to turn things around just a little bit, and I'll show you what I'm talking about, all right? Philippians chapter number two and verse number one, if you're there, say amen. If there be, therefore... Any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Let nothing, say that with me, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore... God also hath highly exalted him. Somebody say amen. God hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. That every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Read verse 14 together with me. Do all things without murmurings and disputing. Say that again. One more time. All right, all right, let's read verse 3. Let's read verse 3 one more time, and then verse 14 one more time. 
Let nothing, say that with me, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Verse 14. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for an opportunity to learn and to share and to grow and to just just look into your word. God, I pray that you'll help us tonight. Lord, I need help. I need help to deliver your word in such a way that every single human being in this building can understand clearly what you're wanting us to know tonight. I need your unction. I need the Holy Spirit to guide my words and, and, and my mind and clear my thought, Lord, I pray. I pray that you'll help us all in here, everyone. Lord, everybody here has to deal with people on a regular basis. And God, we have to deal with ourselves in the, in the meantime. And I pray that you'll help us. God, give us the ability to show uh, you in everything we do, in our decisions, in our thinking, in our actions, or let others see Christ in us. And God, will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let's start with the intro tonight. Let's start with the intro tonight. Uh, in, order to, in order to get the goody out of this particular chapter, we kind of need to go back and, and look at the, the letter itself and why, why he's addressing what he's addressing here. Uh, he, you, you have to understand that there was a messenger, there was a messenger that came from Philippi to Rome where Paul was and, and gave him some, well, one thing he gave him was a gift, a special gift, uh, basically a love offering, some, some help from the church at Philippi. And uh, Epaphroditus is that messenger. Even with the gift that he brought, he brought some bad news. I mean, it's, it's never good news when you see people that can't get along. Say amen right there. Well, he brings the news back to uh, Paul, and Paul hears about this, so he begins to address this. He, he doesn't want this. He doesn't want disunity in the church. He doesn't want uh, uh, people arguing and fussing and fighting in the church. He wants harmony. Somebody say amen right there. Now, with this being said, write this down. Number one, there's a basic problem. There's a basic problem. There's two people. There's two people that cannot get along in the church at Philippi. They are arguing. They are, they are at, at odds against each other. It does not say. He doesn't go into detail what that is. And I think sometimes God does stuff like that on purpose. He doesn't go into detail. He just says there's an issue. So it will cover everybody's issue. It doesn't matter whether you don't like the same songs or, or whether you want this person or that person or whether you want to be the leader in the choir or not or whatever it is. There are always things that happen. It is a basic problem. Anytime you have people, you're going to have differences. You're going to have differences of opinion. You're going to have differences of thought process. Uh, anytime you face or you deal with people, there's going to be differences. And that's why I use the word basic. This is something that we all have to deal with. Now, there's a basic problem. Then number two, number two, there's a basic premise. And this is, this is what I want everybody to get tonight. When you hear, when you hear this, it, you hear this statement, uh, you hear this statement, sometimes people can rob you of joy, right? And when you hear that, you say, man, that's true, doggone, I remember when so-and-so did. And you hear the phrase, sometimes people can rob you of joy, and your happiness is based on the actions of somebody else. In other words, what somebody else does or does not do will determine whether you have happiness or joy. 
So everybody seems to be at the, at the mercy of what other people do to you in your life. Now, when you hear that, you think, we need to fix that. We need some help with this. Chapter number two is going to give us some help with this. Chapter number two is going to teach us how to have joy in spite of other people. And when you hear that, that's like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. That's what I need because I got some idiots in my life. I got some people that drive me crazy. Y'all don't look at me like that. Come on. I got some people that are just drive, and 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 the preacher's going to teach us how to how to. And sometimes we have this idea: we're going to go to church, and God's going to show us how to fix them people. And before, <laughs> isn't it amazing that just images come to our head right now? Amen. And what we need to understand before we even get into the chapter is something that I learned a long time ago. And I, I, had, I had an individual that, that, that came in for counseling and came in regularly for just a little bit uh, 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 until they got on their feet. And, and uh, at one time, after maybe the fourth or fifth visit, uh, uh, they said, they said, Preacher, I don't know how you do it, but every time I come in here and do something, you always turn around and make it my fault. And you know what? This is what Paul is doing. And you say, how do you know that? Because when Paul found out about the two that were arguing, Yodius and Sintichi, when they found out what they were doing, most people would say, okay, give me the details. Let me know what this one's doing. Let me know what that one's doing. And let me tell you which one's right. And make a judgment call on who's right and who's wrong. Let's settle the argument. Let's figure out who's right and who's wrong. Paul didn't do that. He didn't even address the fact of who was doing right or who was doing wrong. He went into a teaching. He went into giving help to the individual person. In other words, he didn't say, okay, you're the one that's wrong. You're the one that's right. You fixed it. No, no, no. He didn't even address it. He didn't even address the specific issue. Guess what? He knew that those issues were just symptoms. There was a deeper issue. There was a deeper problem. And another thing, here's, here's, here's what I want you to see. You can't change other people. Underline that. Underline that in your notes. You can't change other people. I don't care if they're your spouse. I don't care if they're your child. I don't care if they're your parent. I don't care if they're your workmate. I, it doesn't matter. You cannot change other people. You can only change yourself. Sometimes no amount of effort to influence can create the change you want to see. All you can do is change your own reactions, responses, and behavior. If you truly, genuinely express your heart and someone doesn't respond the way you'd like to uh, uh, or, or you'd like him or her to and you try something different and it still doesn't work, you have to face the honest truth that the only thing you can change is yourself. Now you say, why did you put this here? Because what we're going to learn tonight is not 
how we can manipulate the other person to do what we want them to do in our life. Or, or to get them to stop treating us the way we think they should stop treating us. Now, that's hard. Now, what we're going to talk about tonight, and I'm telling you, Satan is fighting this like crazy in my, in my head. I, I don't know why. I don't know why. But it just seems like he is fighting like crazy. So if you know Jesus and you've talked to him lately, pray for me tonight. Say amen. But we are going to have to understand that the only person that we can change is ourself. And going into a, a, a place or a situation where we're arguing or, or we're having a problem with somebody else, one thing I know I can do, I can't change that person, but I can fix me. And I may not have to necessarily fix me, but I can prepare me. Amen? Now, the third thing. Write this down. Not only is there a basic problem we see, there's, there's disagreement, there's problems there in the church, uh, there's a basic premise, we cannot change other people, we can only change ourselves. So what we're going to learn tonight is not how we can manipulate somebody else, how we can fix ourselves or how we can prepare ourselves. Number three, there's a basic principle. <clears throat> there's a basic principle. In a gracious way, Paul is saying to the church at Philippi, your disagreements reveal that there is a spiritual problem in your fellowship. It is going to be solved, or excuse me, it isn't going to be solved by rules or threats. It's going to be solved when your hearts are right with Christ and with each other. Paul wanted them to see that the basic cause was selfishness. And the cause of selfishness is pride. There can be no joy. Now here it is. Here it is. Here we're going. There can be no joy in the life of the Christian who puts himself above others. The secret of joy in spite of circumstances is the single mind. The secret of joy in spite of people is the... Now, I know what you're thinking, because I was thinking this too. You mean to tell me I got to give in even more? But you don't know what they're doing. You don't know how they're treating me. You mean to tell me I got to just... Before, before, listen, tonight your mind is going to be like a parachute. Okay? Your mind is going to have to be like a parachute tonight. It's only going to work if it's open. Okay? So before you shut me down, before you get angry, and the reason I, I don't know why I'm doing so much of this in the intro part, I guess it's because I can see there's been so many people that's been hurt bad by others. So usually when we're hurt, then we want to fight back. Or if we're hurt, we want to build up walls so we don't get hurt anymore. And if we get hurt once bitten, so you're telling me, you're telling me I've been, I've been hurt in my life and they've done me wrong in my life and now you're telling me to make myself more vulnerable to get hurt even worse, I I get all that. I understand all that. But I'm not telling you something that I come up with. I'm going to take you through verse by verse out of the Bible. And and not only not only is this coming directly out of the Bible, the the greatest example we could ever have in life is given in chapter number 2 of Philippians. 
And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you all with me? Say amen. amen. All right, let's jump into it. Chapter number two, Philippians chapter number two. If there be therefore, now, now <clears throat> he is appealing. If you really want to, if you really want to read this in the right way, you go back to verse 27 of chapter one. And he's talking about, let's, let, let's do that. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come or, or see you or, or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that ye stand fast. Now watch this. Here's his, here's his appeal to him. That ye stand fast in one spirit with one mind, striving together. Striving together. Not against each other. Striving together for the uh, faith of the gospel. And in nothing terrified by your adversaries. Don't be afraid of your enemies, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given on the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake. There's going to be times we will be done wrong. I hear from pastors all the time. I was texting one right before I came in here that's going through the fire. I mean, people are putting him through it. A, a wife. A wife of a pastor texted me this afternoon and, and was just just uh, just appealing and, and, and asking. And I was I was texting back and I said, listen, I wish I could take all this stuff away. And it, and it angers me what your husband is going through and, and, and so forth and on. And this is in another state and going and just just being attacked in a malicious way. I said, but it's part of it. It's going to happen. We cannot be immune to it. Anytime you're around people, you are at the risk of getting hurt. <clears throat> and Paul is saying here that this is a part of the will of God. <clears throat> this totally goes against your prosperity preachers. This totally goes against a lot of teachers that say, if you have faith, you won't have issues. If you're right with God, you won't have problems. That's not what Paul just said. Suffering is a part of the Christian walk. Suffering is a part of the Christian life. Now, let's keep reading. Now, he says, if therefore, in verse 1, if there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercy, that word bowels means tenderness, compassion. Now, four times, four times you see the word if there. This is not... This is, he's not putting a question there where this, is, this could be. What that's saying is, since there, since you have. Does that make sense? Say amen. In other words, he's appealing to their relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Put it, put it in this type of words. Since you have a consolation in Christ. Thank you. Since you have a consolation in Christ or comfort from Christ. Since you have a comfort of love. Since you have fellowship of the spirit since you have tenderness and the mercies of god in other words all of this that you have from the lord jesus christ the love that you experience from the lord jesus christ the fellowship you have with the lord jesus christ all the blessings and the tenderness that you have with the lord jesus christ since you have all of this look at verse number two be ye fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded how? Having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. In other words, your relationship with the Lord should be transferred to the relationship you have with others. Think about the love you have with the Lord and the fellowship you have with the Lord and the blessing you have with the Lord. And then take that 
He is saying this. Watch this. Watch this. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. Your relationship this way should mirror your relationship this way. Now, here's, here's the problem. Most of the time, it does. Most of the time, if we're not getting along this way, guess what? We're not getting along this way. I have found out, I have found out a lot of times when I'm having trouble this way, it's because I haven't spent much fellowship. You say, how do you know that? Or why do you think that is? I think it's because when I'm fellowshipping this way, I'm in grace, I'm in mercy. All those things we just talked about, that consolation and that comfort, that strength in his presence is fullness of joy. Isn't that what we've been talking about lately? Fullness of joy. And when you're in the fullness of his joy, nothing's going to take that away. So he's appealing to them. Look at your notes. Write this down. There's an exhortation to fulfill from verse number one, from verse number one to verse number four. He's given them some instructions. He's given them an exhortation or a teaching. This is what I want you to accomplish. First, A, write this down. I want you to see his appeal, his appeal to them. He's begging them. He's appealing. His appeal. Number one, look in, look in verse number two. Fulfill, in other words, he says, make me happy. This will make me happy, that ye be like-minded, having the same, what's that word? Love. First thing he does is appeal for charity. Write that word down. He appeals for charity. What's the word charity mean, everybody? Love. Love. What did Jesus say? John 13. A new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye love one to another. He said, please love each other. Love each other. And he starts there. He starts there. Love each other. Now, in Corinthians, we're not going to turn for the sake of time. But in 1 Corinthians chapter number 13, it's the great love chapter. He begins to talk about all the giftings that are, that are mentioned in Corinthians, especially in chapter number 12. And he said, how could I have all of these giftings, and without love, they're all meaningless. They're all worthless. Love is the most important thing. It doesn't matter if you can sing like a mockingbird. If you don't have love in your heart, it doesn't work. It doesn't matter if you could teach like the greatest teacher there ever was or preach like the greatest preacher there ever was. If you don't have love, it's worthless. The greatest of these, it, the last verse in chapter number 13, the greatest of these is love. Listen, love is so important, and he appeals to that. Now watch, now watch. The second thing he appeals to is unity. Not only charity, but unity. It says this. He says, be of the same love. Being of one accord. Being of one accord. There's got to be unity. There is a difference. There is a difference between unity and uniformity. True spiritual unity comes from within. It's a matter of the what? Heart. Uniformity is the result of pressure from without. 
Now, I've been, I've been in a religious movement that was all about uh, uniformity. And they would pressure you and they would bow breat, bow, brow beat you to the point that, that you had to look just like them. You had to cut your hair just like them, comb your hair just like them, think like them and talk like them. And they, it was pressure from the outside. And, and do you realize that most people, most people, especially my age that grew up into that kind of thing, most of them are not even in church today. Most of them hate church today. And you know why? Because we use the world's method to try to accomplish God's work. Let me prove it. Let me prove it. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not, be not conformed to this world. Conform. The word conform there means to press into a mold. It means to press into a mold. How does the world operate? It puts pressure on you. Hollywood puts pressure on our young people to look a certain way to behave a certain way, to think a certain way. Listen, the media today is trying to get you to like a certain candidate. The world is trying to make you and putting pressure on you. Let's just use this for an example. The world is trying to put pressure on you to, to think that an ungodly sin is normal. And so they're applying outward pressure. You see it all over our country. If you stand for a certain thing, if you have standards in your life, they're trying to pressure you to think something different. Well, God says, don't be conformed. Don't be conformed. Don't allow this world to press you into their mold, into their way of being, into their way of thinking, into their way of acting. But watch this. But be ye, be ye. Now, now the word transformed there is where we get our English word metamorphosis. It's the word metamorphio. That is a change from the. You see, God works from the inside out. God is a God of the heart. He said, man looketh on the outward, but I look upon the heart. Are y'all with me? Now, I could come in here and we could lay down a bunch of rules and we could lay down a bunch of regulations and say, you got to do this and you've got to do that and you've got to think this and you've got to think that. And all that is is, is adding outward pressure. And God says that doesn't work. That doesn't work. Paul is not appealing. He didn't come up with, okay, y'all y'all are arguing, y'all are fussing, so here's what we're going to do. Here's the new regulation. Here's the new law. Here's a, here's a new God. No, he appeals to them, to their affection. He appeals to their love. He appeals to the inside. Because it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you all look the same on the outside if you're thinking something different on the inside. And here's the thing. I found this out. I teach this. If, you, if, you've, if you've come to the membership class, if you've come to the membership class, you've heard this. We have a set of beliefs here at church. There are some essentials and there are non-essentials. Right? If you've, if you've been to the membership class, you've heard this. There are some essentials. There are some things that we have to believe the same on. In other words, if you believe that Buddha can get you into heaven, we got some real problems. We can't walk together. We're not going to get along. That's an essential. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And there are some things that we have to believe the same. 
There are some things we have to walk together. There are some things we have to agree on completely, 100%. They are essential beliefs. But there are some non-essential too. There are some non-essential. There are some things that some people believe that some other people don't necessarily believe. Are you with me? Say amen. Now, uh, I, I don't want to go into all this, but I want to take all the time for this, but just to give you an example. Uh, I, I know I know of certain preachers who preach the fact that uh, uh, that, that men should be clean-shaven and, and, and wear a white shirt when they're preaching. <clears throat> because if they don't wear a white shirt, they wear a colored shirt when they're preaching and they're trying to attract attention to themselves and not to God, and they should wear a white shirt and, 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 and be clean-shaven. Uh, you know, they discount the fact that they pulled the beard out of Jesus' face. You know, I mean, you can't even, anyway. Now, that's silly. And I know what you think. Oh, that's the craziest thing in the world. It, it gets a whole lot crazier, but I ain't even going there. Now, let's just say, let's just say somebody in here believes this. Now, if you don't think, if you don't think there are people sitting in the same church building with you that believe something different than you, you're, you're kidding yourself. On Sunday morning, on Sunday morning, when, when, it's, when it, we're just going wide open in our worship, there are people in here that thinks it's too loud, it's too rocky sounding, and they need to tone them ZZ Top guitars down just a little bit. I don't know why they got the drum turned up so loud. And, 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 and I tell you what, we need to bring back the old songs. And in the same church service, sitting beside that gentleman is one saying, man, I wish they'd turn something up. Well, we ought to put some flashing lights in here and get some fog going in here. Man, we need some more contemporary stuff in the same church service. So what's the point? There are some things that are preferences. There are some beliefs that people have that are non-essentials. Let me ask you a question. If I wear a white shirt, is that going to send me to hell? If I, if I wear a red shirt, is it going to keep me out of heaven? No, it's a non-essential. It's a non-essential. Now, the whole point I, I brought all that up is, is for this. In our, in our membership class, we say in all of our essential beliefs, we have unity. In our non-essential beliefs, we have liberty. But watch, watch. In all our beliefs, we're going to show charity. Now, here's the thing. How can we get along when one wants it louder and one wants it softer? How can we get along if one wants more of the old stuff and one wants more of the new stuff? How can we get along if, if, if there are some that wants it this way and there are some that wants it that way? How are we going to get along if they, we have so many different people with so many different opinions and so many different preferences and so many different thoughts. I'll tell you how. We're going to love each other. My brother is the exact opposite of me. I'm talking about the exact opposite of me. Everything I am, he's not. Everything he is, I'm not. We're, 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 we're just completely opposite in almost every way you can imagine. But every time I'm down in Florida, he wants, he wants me with him everywhere he goes. He woke me up one morning, I mean, before the crack of dawn, said, come on, go with me. I'm on vacation. He, where are you going? I'm going to work. Let's go. <laughs> what? 
When he's up here, I want him with me everywhere I go. Even though we're totally different. So how do y'all do that? Man, I love him. And he loves me. You know how we can get along at Temple even though we're different, even though we think different, even though we have differences of opinions? We love each other. Let me tell you why a church of 50 people can't even get along and they split 25 and 25. They don't love each other. Every church split can go back. I, I, was, I was reading some statistics today on, on church splits in America, and 98% of them are interpersonal. In other, words, in other words, it didn't have nothing to do with doctrine. It didn't have nothing to do with Scripture. It didn't have nothing to do with whether something was right or wrong according to the Bible. It was because somebody didn't like a certain color carpet. Or, 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 or there was an argument in the parking lot because Granny A got the parking lot of Granny B and Granny B's family wasn't going to talk to Granny A's family no more. And here we go. You know what that just says? What Paul is saying here. The problem is not the problem. The problem is love. He says, I want you to be of the same mind. I want you to be of the same love. He said, I want you to love each other. I want you to love each other like Christ loves you and you love Christ. I want you to love each other. Because if you love each other, you are more prone to have unity if there is charity. There's no way in the world, there's no way in the world to have unity without charity. Now, here's another he not only appeals for charity, he appeals for unity. But there's an appeal for humility. This is big right here. I mean, most of the rest of the chapter is going to deal with this one subject. Humility. Humility. What did, what did he say in the beginning of your notes that, that most strife, most problems, most problems come from selfishness? Say that with me. Most problems come from and selfishness comes from, okay, uh, yeah, we like that word, don't we? Most strife comes from, y'all got to help me, people. Most strife comes from, and selfishness comes from pride. And pride comes from a lack of humility. Humility. Look. It is important, it is important that we understand what the Bible means by humility. The humble person is not one who thinks meanly of himself. He simply does not think of himself at all. He yields himself to Christ to be a servant, to use what he is and has for the glory of God and the good of others. He's always thinking about the other person. He says, listen. Be of one accord. Be of one mind. Look what he says in verse, thir verse 3. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. Let's look at D. Not only do we see the appeal, but I want you to see this. The admonition. The admonition. <clears throat> he says this. Now, now he's, he's first he appealed in verse number 1 with their relationship with God. In other words, the if, you have four ifs in verse number one. That's the if. Then verse two is the then. If you have this, if you are receiving this from Christ, if you are receiving love and you're receiving fellowship, you're receiving tenderness and mercy from Christ, then, he says, share that same 
all those benefits with your neighbor and with you who you are uh, in fellowship with in verse number two. Now he's getting a little more serious. Now he's getting a little more pointed and a little more specific. Verse three, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. What is he admonishing them with? Number one, to avoid strife. Avoid strife. Now, what is strife? What is strife? Exertion or contention for superiority. Now, nobody will admit to that. Nobody will admit to that. Nobody will say, well, I got to be first. It's all about me. I just need everybody to know it's all about me. In Jesus' name. I... <laughs> A pastor friend of mine was talking with a, 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 a couple that was angry at something going on in the church, and and uh, and and they basically they were just they were just changing up the music a little bit, and adding some a little more uh, uh, newer type songs and stuff, and and uh, they were just mad about it, and 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 because in their mind, if it wasn't in the red back hymnal, that it wasn't holy, and 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 this, and he explained. He just went in great detail, a whole lot better than I can, but he went into great detail the difference between a preference and a, and a, a principle or a, a standard or conviction and that type of thing. And, 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 he, and this, is what, this is what he said. He says, I don't care what the Bible says. I just know what I like. Let me translate that. Let me translate that. That is an exertion. And a desire to be superior. In other words, I want what I want. It's not about sinners. It's not about the lost. It's all about. Watch this. The word vainglory. Exclusive vanity excited by one's own performance or an empty pride. Look, I, I, I put this verse. I put this verse because it goes so well right here. In, in, in the third letter to John, verse 9, it says, I wrote unto the church, but Diotrephes, who loveth to have the preeminence among them, receiveth us not. The word preeminence there, it means this, to be fond of being first or ambitious of distinction. In, in almost every church, in almost every church, if God doesn't weed them out pretty quick, in almost every church, there's there's somebody that wants to be recognized. There, there there's somebody that wants to be uh, important. There's somebody who wants distinction and wants everybody to look to them for their opinion or look to them for uh, what they think about things. And and most of the time, it's the person that tries to put on the most spiritual front. It's the person, and I'm telling you, they, 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 always, they always seem to have a certain air about them that they're a little more spiritual or you think. And, and most of the people that get duped by these kind of people are baby Christians and immature Christians. But they find out they want to be the big fish in the pond. And the problem is, is the problem is they're a pretty big frog in the puddle. But when the puddle begins to grow and the puddle 
turns into a pretty big piece of property and, and it turns into a pretty big pond that the frog is not so big. And what normally happens is they will jump out of the pond or the lake and go find them another puddle where they can be the big frog again. They're just like the atrophies. They're striving over superiority. We want to be important. Now, I think sometimes, I think sometimes, not all the time, but there is a small percentage of the time where this can happen and they don't even realize they're doing it. Listen, is it whatever your issue is, whatever, whatever it is with, between you and your spouse, whatever it is between you and the person at work, Whatever it is between whoever it is that, that, that when you read the title here, that person came to your mind. Is it really about them or could it be about you? Is it, is it really they, they're just crazy and they're just... We've been, we've been going through with our staff. We've been going through training and... and, and Every week we'll take a different a different chapter and and one of the things one of the things we learned last week was how to see things through other people's eyes or to seek mutual benefit or or to really listen from their point of view not listening working on your reply before you hear them out boy it's quiet in here tonight how many of y'all would admit this? Can y'all can y'all be honest at least for like 30 seconds here tonight? Would y'all raise your hand? Could you be honest for about 30 seconds here tonight? How many of you have been talking to somebody and maybe did have a disagreement about something and y'all have been going back and forth, and the whole time they're speaking, trying to sh explain their side of it, you're working on your response to it? How'd that work for you? And I'm sitting here watching this because we're doing it by video from smarter people than we are, and I'm sitting here watching this, and the whole time I'm watching this instructional video, I'm wanting it to quit. I'm thinking, man, I, I've done that before. The whole time, the whole time they're talking and they're trying to explain to me their side of the deal, I'm already explaining to them in my mind how stupid they are. And ex figuring out a way I can tell them how dumb they are without them saying how dumb they are. Come on, don't look at me, guys. And I'm sitting there, and you, and you know what? You know what God said? You know why we do that? It's because we think we're superior. Your, your idea can't be great. Say, why? Because it's not mine. Right? Okay, let's move along. I see y'all are enjoying this. All right? Avoid strife. Don't be a diatrophies. Don't be a don't don't feel like you have to be number one. You don't have to be priority. You don't have to be first. The second thing he says this. Look what look what it says in verse three. Man, this is this is the key to verse. This is the key to the first one. He says, "Look not every man on his own thing." No, back up, back up, back up, back up. Verse three. I skipped one. 
But in lowliness of mind, let each, what's that word? Everybody say it. Let each esteem. That word means to value, to place value, to set a value on. He said, let each esteem others better than themselves. You know what we learned in our instructional? I didn't know I was going to use so much of this stuff. Amen. In order to in order to keep your mouth shut and really listen to the other person without coming up your with your reply while they are giving that the only way to do that is you got to value that person. And it might be that this person that you can't seem to get along with, whether it's your husband or your wife or or maybe your coworker or maybe somebody at church, who knows? Whoever that might be, it may be that you really don't value that person. And you can't really, you can't really receive what they have to offer. You really can't listen to them and listen to their opinion because you don't value the person. You're sure not going to value their opinion. That's right, Rev. That's good stuff. Amen. Well, I know where I'm getting somewhere when everybody gets quiet. Amen. How many of y'all, how many of y'all would admit we, we have issues with this sometimes? Listen, do you value that person? Do, do you, and Jesus says, Jesus says, in lowliness of mind, that's a key. Let's, let's turn over, let's turn over to, uh, Let's turn over to Romans 12 for just a minute. Since since we have a problem with this part right here. Verse 3. Verse 3. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. We were talking about don't be transformed. We were talking about presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's humility. That's surrender. That's submission. Then, then look at verse 3. This is something. How do I value that person? They're a jerk. They treat me bad. Okay. Chapter 12, verse 3, are you there? For I say through the what? The grace. And that's key. In order to do what we're talking about doing tonight, it's going to take grace. For I say through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, according as God hath dealt to every man the measure of faith. You, you may tell you why sometimes we don't value other people, is we think too highly of ourselves. Let each esteem, how, how do we do that? With a lowliness of mind. We cannot, we cannot value ourselves more than we value other people. Let us each esteem others better than themselves. His admonition in verse number three is to avoid strife. How do we avoid strife? We value others. We value others. When you have a disagreement with someone, do you truly hear them out do you truly give them an opportunity to to give their side of the deal do you try to see it from their point of view 
Oh, here's another one. How many of y'all, how many of y'all in, in the relationship, you're the arguer? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. Man, ain't they ain't never going to admit this. How many of y'all are the quiet one? You just keep quiet and you just let it roll. How many of y'all ain't nothing? Come on, you got to be one or the other. Amen? Now, as an arguer, I'm the classic arguer. Tammy is the classic clam. How many of y'all know the clam can really make the arguer angry? Don't clam up. I want to talk about this. Let's solve this. Let's fix it. Right? Now, here's, here's the classic arguer. I'm going to win. The object is to win. Are you with me? We cannot lose. We must win. <laughs> how many of y'all argues? This is just, this is not even part of the thing, but how many of y'all argues that, that you, you know those phrases, that moment when? How many argues that moment when you realize she's right? <laughs> and you keep arguing. Now watch. Seek mutual benefit. How can we both win? Seek mutual benefit. Even to the point, watch what it says right here. Watch what it says right here. This next one. Verse 4. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Now, let me tell you what this does not mean. This does not mean you mind everybody else's business. Does everybody get that? Let's don't even go there. We're not, you know, Hank Williams Jr. song about that. I can tell you later. Amen. We mind our own business. What he's saying there is you not only avoid strife, you value others, but you do this. You put others first. You think about others before you think about yourself. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, we used to sing a song. We had this little phrase, and we, we sung a song about joy, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. To have real joy, experience real joy, you experience it in such a way. How do you do that? J stands for Jesus. So who's first? Jesus. And then O stands for others. So who comes second? Who comes last? Yourself. Jesus, others, then you. Watch this. Chapter 1 was all about Jesus. It was all about Jesus. Now, remember, everybody thinks we're getting off off topic. And, and well, I thought the whole thing was supposed to be about joy. We ain't even talking about joy. We're just talking about giving in to this person I'm arguing with. Watch. Watch. Chapter 1. Now, watch. Chapter 1 was all about Jesus. Paul was in prison. He was in a very, very bad situation. I mean, a horrible situation. Everything should have made him hate life, but he had joy. Because all of chapter 1 was all about Jesus. 
He didn't care about his chains because he was able to witness to somebody and tell them about Jesus. He didn't care about his critics but because they were preaching the gospel and, and Jesus was getting magnified. He didn't care that he was fixing to die and he was going to be executed because he was going to magnify God whether he lived or whether he died to live as Christ and to die as gain. He didn't care. It's all about Jesus. Now watch how he follows that up. Chapter 1, all about Jesus. Chapter 2, all about He said, now that we've got the priority, Jesus, right? Let's get, let's get your relationship with others right. And the only way, watch this, the only way, the only way our relationship with others can be right is if we have a submissive mind. What did Jesus say? Agree with thine adversary quickly. Now that is, how many of y'all know that's totally against nature? To I don't care if you're the clam or you're the arguer. You both want to win. Right? Watch. Put others first. Others is the key idea in this chapter. The believer's eyes are turned away from himself and focused on the needs of others. I, I don't know about you. And, and I don't have a clock, so I, I, has anybody got a time? I need one with a right time. Anybody got a different time than one? 7.30, yeah. Is it really? It's 5 till? All right, let's hurry. Let's hurry. Let's, I, I, I want to get this. I want to finish this. Okay, here's, here's the deal. And, and we probably won't finish it, but we're going to try. Uh in verses 1 through 4, in verses 1 through 4, he tells them about being submissive. He tells them about being humble. He tells them about uh, uh, putting others first. He tells them about uh, 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 don't think too highly of yourself. Think about others. Uh, he says don't ever try to be priority. Don't ever try to be first. Don't ever try to be the most important, verse number 3. And then he says, matter of fact, here's how I want you to be. I want you to be like Jesus. Everything he taught us in verses 1 through 4, Jesus expressed in the latter verses. In other words, in other words, what Jesus is saying here, because we're reading the Word of God, right? We're reading the Word of God. He's saying the ladder I sent you up in verses 1 through 4, I wasn't afraid to climb myself. Everything I taught you in verses 1 through 4, I did already while I was here on this earth. Somebody say amen. Let this mind, this way, this attitude, this, this way of thinking, let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form. Isn't it amazing? <coughs> he had to make himself of no reputation. And we're running around trying to make a reputation. He who already had a reputation made himself of no reputation, and we of no reputation are running around trying to make everybody think we're important. Okay. <clears throat> Verse 7. But made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death. That's another thing, too, that's awesome. You see, he had no sin. The sting of sin is death. He couldn't die. He had to. 
That's anyway. All right. He became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Now watch. Write this down. We find an exhortation to fulfill. Number two, an example to follow. Write this down. The mindset of Christ. We are to have the mindset of Christ. The mind of Christ means the attitude Christ exhibited. The verses in Philippians take us to eternity past. Now remember this. Form of God has nothing to do with shape or size. God is spirit, John 4, 24. And as such, is not to be thought of in human terms. When the Bible refers to the eyes of the Lord or the hands of the Lord, it is not claiming that God has a human shape. Rather, it is using human terms to describe divine attributes or characteristics of God. The word form means the outward expression of an inward nature. This means that in eternity past, Jesus Christ was God. In fact, Paul states that he was equal with God. Other verses such as John 1, 1 through 4, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the, the Word was with God. Uh, the same was in the beginning. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. Are you all with me? Say amen. All these verses here that describe Jesus as the expression of God, the express image of God. Certainly as God, Jesus Christ did not need anything. He had all the glory and praise of heaven with the Father and the Spirit. He reigned over the universe. But Philippians 2, verse 6, where it says, it says this, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Now, what does that mean? What does that mean? This is what it means. He did not consider his equality with God as something selfishly to be held on to. Jesus did not think of himself. He thought of others. His outlook was that of unselfish concern for others. This is the mind of Christ. An attitude that says, I cannot keep my privileges for myself. I must use them for others. And to do this, I will gladly lay them aside and pay whatever price is necessary. Are you all with me? Say amen. That's what Jesus did for us. He laid aside all of those things and he took upon himself. The creator became the creature. Listen, that is exactly the opposite of what the devil did. The devil who was the creature wanted to be the creator. And Jesus did the exact opposite and shows humility. He shows humility and submission. Look what it says. Not only the mindset of Christ, but look at this. Look at the ministry. The ministry of Christ. Don't you see that he served? He took upon him. He took upon him the form of a servant. And you remember that word form, the outward expression of an inward nature. What does that mean? When Jesus served, he was a true servant. He was not putting on a show. He was not just playing a role. He had a servant's heart. Do you, you, did you notice everywhere, and, and you can read this. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but please read that when you get home. Did you notice that everywhere Jesus was, he was always serving people? He said, I didn't come to minister, but I came, or excuse me, I didn't come to be ministered to. I came to be a minister. I came to serve. I came to bless. Everywhere you found him, he was serving others, and he was blessing others, and he was healing others, and he was helping others. Here's an important fact. Here's an important fact. Look at the underlined part in, in the chapter. When Christ was born at Bethlehem, he entered into a permanent union with humanity from which there could be no escape what does that mean for all eternity jesus will be in a human body and he did that for you and he did that 
for me. And you can't get along with your neighbor. Amen. Listen. Here's the thing. He not only served, but he sacrificed. He sacrificed. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Hey, it, in John 13, you see there where it says John 13, 17? Let me, let me tell you what that verse says. This is right after Jesus washed their feet. This is right after Jesus washed their feet. You remember in the upper room, they're squabbling. What are they fighting over? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? Jesus is about to die. He's about to be crucified. He's about to be taken out and beaten and a crown of thorns driven into his skull. He's about to be beat to the point you could not even tell he was a human being. He was under so much pressure that he went into the garden and he prayed so intensely that his sweat became as great drops of blood. He was under the, the, the most, probably the most intense time of his life. And they're arguing who's, who's going to be the greatest. And Jesus takes off his outer garment. He puts upon him a towel and he gets down. What's he do, people? Come on. He did the job of a slave. Now watch. Now watch. Verse 17 says this. Verse 17 says this. He says, you see what I did? He said, you see what I did? I'm your master. And if the master did it to the servant, this, watch what he says. This is the key. He says, happy are ye if ye do them. What is the whole topic of the book of Philippians? Help me. Jesus got down and washed people's feet. And you know what Jesus said? If you want to be happy, you got to learn to serve others. But you know what the devil's told us? And I, I, I'm going to just read that. We'll, we'll probably rehearse that next week or review that. But here, everybody look at me. 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 The devil has lied. The devil has lied to every single person and said happiness is found by what you can get others to do for you. When Jesus, the creator of everything, came and gave an example, and then he said this, happy are ye if you do them. Now, he didn't, just, he didn't just bake them a pie. Preacher, what are you getting at? He had to humble himself and do the work of a slave. He's washing their own nasty feet. Are y'all with me? And he said, you want to be happy? Learn to serve others. Not only learn to serve others, humble yourself and serve the way no others would. All right, put, put, put your notes down. Put your notes down. Here's a test. Here's a test. Everybody look at me real quick. Come on, come over time. Everybody look at me up in the balcony. Watch. Do you want to know if you have the heart of a servant? Do you want to know? Say, Preacher, I think I'm there. I really, I really think I'm there. I really believe I have that heart of a servant like, like, like Jesus said to have. Do you want to know? You want to know if you do? All right. Here's the test. How do you act when somebody treats you like one? What is your response when somebody treats you like a servant. Well, who do you think you are? Who do you think I am? You're just going to walk all up? Or do you humbly? Now, by the way, by the way, I sing this song every day. 
He's still working on me. So if you're not there yet, if you're struggling with that question, I am too. Because sometimes I get angry the way people treat me. But it just reminds me, I got work to do. How do you act when people treat you like a servant? That may really help us understand where we are in our relationship where it needs to be. Now, we're going, we're going to rehearse. Uh, rehearse. We're going to review this, this last part and jump into verse number 12 when we come back next week. All right? Now, now how many of y'all know every time we learn something new at Temple, the, the, the Lord tests us with it that week? So I'm going to warn you ahead of time. Somebody's going to treat you like a servant. How you respond will determine whether you have joy or whether you experience aggravation. Church, say amen.